Hello, sports fans. I'm Dave Quinones, and I'm joined today by my broadcast partner, Dave Rosen. That's right, Dave, and we're here for the inaugural Time Magazine Person of the Year Catching Fire Tournament to the Death. That's right, Dave. As you know, Time Magazine has for 90 years named the individual or group who, for better or for worse, has influenced our world. It's a monumental annual decision, but with its recent acquisition by the Koch brothers, the new management at Time Magazine have decided the honorific is too important to be left to their stupid readers or their shitty journalists. So this year, they're trying something different. Each of our competitors have been airlifted to a remote jungle island where they will be pitted against each other in hand-to-hand combat. That's right, Dave. Don't go crazy explaining this premise. I think it's pretty well-worn territory. That's right, Dave. Before we get started, how about some predictions? Who would you say is going to fare well? And to whom will we be saying farewell? Well, Dave, I think the odds-on favorite has to be my president and yours, the reigning champion, Donald Jacob Trump. He's got the experience, he's been through adversity, he shocked the world last year, and as commander-in-chief, he wields the fearsome power of the United States military. He's unquestionably acquired more power than any person of a mentally diminished capacity since King Charles II of Spain. That's right, Dave. Personally, I have my eyes on the king of the crash land, the partially paralyzed patriot, the man who never met a war he didn't think could be made better with dead U.S. soldiers, Senator John McCain. He's the only competitor who we know has killed with his own hands. Dave, if you had a dark horse today, who would it be? Dave, I can't help but think we're going to see big things from a trio of badass ladies, Serena Williams, Taylor Swift, and Ariana Grande. So much of the formula for success in a death tournament boils down to good cardio, and these empowered females are fit AF. Is it okay for me to say that? Can I say that? I don't think so, Dave. I'm keeping my eye on Colin Kaepernick. While much of our field today is comprised of elderly heads of state and doddering feeble politicians, Kaepernick is a svelte 6'4", 240-pound slab of man with a sub-4540 time and a Wonderlick score of 38. He's easy on the eyes, Dave. Looks like we're getting started. Let's follow the action. Things kick off right away with a race for a gas-operated M240GB machine gun mounted on a turret, and it looks like the closest competitor is... Pope Francis. The pontiff has gained control of the M240 and immediately begins righteously rejoicing in his vengeance, bathing his feet in the blood of the wicked, just like God would want him to do. Is the Pope laughing, Dave? That's right, Dave. He appears to be laughing maniacally. You don't need to be a practicing Catholic to find this profoundly disturbing. The reform pope is systematically culling his herd, indiscriminately gunning down Margaret Atwood, Steve Bannon, Susan Fowler, Susan Collins. Oh, he got Xi Jinping, Dave. And just like that, one and a half billion Chinese are without a leader. The first really big name to drop off the board today. Everybody's scattering and grouping up. Hey, Dave, what's that in the sky? Well, Dave, you're seeing our first viewer care package. That crate, being parachuted into the field of play, contains some item that will support one of our competitors as they battle it out. This one appears to be directed at San Juan Mayor Carmen Yulín Cruz, care of CNN, MSNBC, The New York Times, and the rest of the mainstream U.S. media. That's right, Dave. Since becoming a vocal Trump opponent during the Hurricane Maria recovery effort, Yulín has become a media darling. So not surprising to see them chipping in to help her out here. That's right, Dave. In keeping with the hashtag resistance trend of embracing anyone who speaks out against Trump, Yulene is being given a megaphone without any real vetting of who she is or what she's all about. And this megaphone appears to be in the form of an M249E2 saw with a half dozen 120-pound belts of ammunition ready for use. 
Yulin is firing into a thicket that includes ESPN reporter Jamel Hill, actress Emma Stone, tech billionaire Jeff Bezos, and late-night funny man Jimmy Kimmel. Lots of star power under assault right there, Dave. What's that sound? Ah, Dave, I'm glad you asked. Seems we have activated our first hazard. As you know, every aspect of this island is under control by the game makers, meaning they can release tidal waves, electrical storms, fires, and other disasters. What you're hearing is the footsteps of thousands of residents of Puerto Rico who disapprove of Yulene's job performance and her promotion of the island's colonial status, which is really just a thin cover for her nationalistic leanings. Puerto Ricans are proud, but they aren't stupid, Dave. Oh, and Yulene is pulled down from the saw and is being, oh my, ripped to pieces by the angry horde. Looks like Yulene is out of the running, Dave. That's right, Dave, but she does remain eligible for the Fusion Yas Queen 2017 award, so let's wish her luck all the same. Speaking of the mayor, let's catch up with her arch rival, the 45th president. He seems to be wandering around the shoreline. As the sun sets, his movements and behavior have become ever more erratic. Look here, Dave. He's appeared to stumble upon the hiding place of Wonder Woman director Patty Jenkins, who made history this year as the first woman to direct a big-budget Hollywood superhero movie. What's the president saying to her, Dave? He appears to be propositioning her, Dave, and I can't quite hear from this distance, but if I know our president... Oh, she hit him, Dave! Dave, she hit him. Patty Jenkins has just laid out the president. He's on the ground and he's shaking and crying like a small child. <laughs> oh, that's right, Dave. And it looks like he's voided his bowels. Which, definitely not going to help him evade his attackers. I don't know, Dave. Getting your head split open by someone 150 pounds smaller than you and shitting yourself and, Jesus, sucking your thumb on the ground is kind of an alpha move when you think about it, right? Nope. But things appear to be looking up for the president, Dave, as he's been sent his own care package from his tens of millions of idiotic supporters and fake Twitter followers. It appears to contain, yes, an unsecured Android phone, a three-piece meal from KFC, thermite grenades, and the nuclear football. Quite a package, Dave. With the phone, Trump is in communication with all chambers of the executive branch, including the Pentagon. With his keen strategic mind, he'll no doubt be able to dispatch a military response. I wouldn't be surprised if we see SEAL Team 6 join the fray any moment now, Dave. It is also possible, Dave, that we'll see a tactical nuclear response. That's right, Dave, and with the weapons and food, he can fend off his competitors long enough to run out the clock. Looks like this competition is over almost as soon as it began. What's he doing down there, Dave? The president appears to be sending a tweet, Dave. Let's see what he posted. Hmm, appears that instead of using these precious moments to call in military ground support, or contact members of his cabinet, the president has posted a tweet calling Rebecca de Mornay the C-word for not taking him up on his offer to visit St. Bart's on his private jet in 1987. He says he only did it to be polite, and that she was never that hot anyway. Dave, it looks like he forgot to shut off location services, so his competitors now know where he is. Ooh, and Dave, it would appear mistakes come in three for our president, as he is making another classic blunder, mixing up a thermite grenade for the Mountain Dew in his KFC meal. Ooh, and now he's Hi, I'm Patricia Johnson, general counsel for Bird Road Podcast. On my advice, the guys have agreed it is best to not describe in graphic detail the slow, painful death of a sitting U.S. president, no matter how satisfying and hilarious it would no doubt be. So, pursuant to the U.S. Criminal Code Title 18, Section 871, and in an effort to demonstrate some measure of decorum in these savage times, we are preempting the next 13 and a half minutes of the skit titled Time Magazine Person of the Year, K. 
catching fire. Thank you for understanding, and we apologize. We now return you to this week's episode of Bird Road. Ah, and he somehow voided his bowels again, Dave. Impressive, Dave. Didn't think he had it in him. Literally did not think he had it in him. And with that, our front runner and reigning champ is off the board. That's right, Dave. It's easy to forget that while he was the leader of the free world and chief executive of our country, Donald Trump was also a profoundly stupid and barely functioning buffoon who indulged every immature and undisciplined whim. He was a comprehensive picture of mental and physical dysfunction. You're right, Dave. He will be missed. Meanwhile, I want to direct your attention to the southern edge of the island where Vladimir Putin, Emmanuel Macron, and Justin Trudeau have apparently formed an alliance. That's right, Dave, and they've also all removed their shirts, which is an odd choice, I suppose. This triumvirate appears to be fashioning a collection of crude spears, perhaps to hunt, or... Oh! Putin has just killed Macron and Trudeau. Dave, he stabbed the French president in his back and shot the Canadian prime minister in the side of the head. Ah, this is clearly payback for Napoleon's 1812 invasion of Russia, which kicked off the patriotic war. Putin's commitment to treachery and nationalism appears to have once again won the day. Never trust an old spetsnaz, Dave. (laughs) Never indeed. Meanwhile... Catching up on some action from the other parts of the island, Saudi Prince Mohammed bin Salman, ironically, has contracted cholera and perished due to lack of water and food. Actress Rose McGowan took refuge in a cave, and after a few hours of mysterious sniffing noises, she has disappeared and is feared dead. Colin Kaepernick made it to the final round of competition among his group before being undone, making him kind of like the Cam Newton or Matt Ryan of this tournament. Hillary Clinton and John McCain had formed a promising alliance, but both failed presidential candidates had their faces melted when they stumbled upon an Ark of the Covenant that contained the souls of innocent Iraqis who died as a result of the U.S. invasion and occupation they both supported. James Comey fell off a cliff. Robert Mueller fell off a slightly higher part of the same cliff. Kim Jong-un ate some poison blueberries and died when his throat closed up. Funny enough, Dave, they weren't really that poisonous, but he just ate an incredible amount of them and refused to stop. And now, Dave, at the end of this bloody competition, we are left with what appears to be two hardened, battle-tested challengers. That's right, Dave. On one side, we have Russian President Vladimir Putin, the crafty, uncanny, cutthroat former KGB agent, who ruthlessly rose to power during one of the most unsettled Machiavellian moments in Russian history whose vision to destabilize the West took shape over two decades and resulted in a U.S. election that may have changed the course of human history. And on the other side, we have Emma Stone. What's that sound, Dave? Another natural hazard? A thunderstorm? No, Dave, what you're hearing is actually the approach of another one of our competitors, the Dreamers. Dave, you're talking about a veritable army of some two million young, undocumented people. Stone and Putin are on the run, but what's this another crowd of competitors? That's right, Dave. Comprised mostly of women, we are seeing that members of the hashtag MeToo movement, a viral awakening of victims of sexual assault and abuse. Now, Dave, the two groups are converging on Putin and Stone, and oh my, it looks like our two battle-weary warriors will be weary no more. That's right, Dave. And it seems we are left with an island of millions of victims of patriarchal rape culture and outdated, ineffective immigration laws. What are they doing, Dave? There seems to be a conference underway, and it appears, I'm hearing now, the ruling is that these two groups will remain here, on this island, and begin a new nation. 
What a twist, Dave! As we speak, leaders from the two groups have begun drafting an Articles of Confederacy and a governmental structure. What an incredible ending to this bloody, bloody day. That's right, Dave. But at least now the healing can begin. Well, Dave, while the entire premise of this skit and the actual execution of it has been in poor taste, we are nonetheless forced to reckon with the fact that, on balance, the world is an indisputably markedly better place without most of these people than it was with them. Hey, we should do this every year. Maybe we will. Good night, everyone. Hi everybody, I'm I'm Q. Right. I'm Jewish Dave. Who apparently opening a plastic container of some kind. <laughs> I dropped my water. <laughs> Can you ever just put your water bottle away? I mean, like I need it. Welcome to Bird Road. This is Bird Road. Welcome to Bird Road, everybody. I've noticed one of your things and you haven't really cleared this with me because like, you know, <laughs> this isn't this isn't just you flying by the seat of your pants. We're supposed to make just group decisions here. But one of your things is in our intros, you just repeat me a little bit. <laughs> like, I think you think I'm not noticing it. I'm noticing it. I completely notice it. Do you like it? It's fine. <laughs> I don't know why I do that. It just, uh, I don't know. It seems to work for me. So that was, that, that was a really long intro. And mm. uh, I, I think they're only going to get longer. I want to get to a point where this show this show is all intro and then the intro music comes in with like 10 minutes left of podcast. Well, I and will say that, that that skit was really timely when it started and by the time it finished it's old news, you know. No, but it was great because um just today we found out that the uh, the Coke brothers were buying Time magazine. <laughs> and th- can anybody really oh, think it's a boy. coincidence that this that these motherfuckers are going to buy that buy the magazine? As the this dipshit is like making such a big deal about having his face on the cover, so he I I, I read an article today um, that actually it was over the weekend. I read an article over the weekend that reminded me of like if you ever really became politically active and to the point of obsession, and you decided that you wanted to, yeah, you know, if you decided that you wanted to make an attempt on the president's life, or if you made, um, <laughs> if you wanted to kill the uh the governor of nevada i feel like this is the way that it would go down for you um from uh cbs news cat hair helps nab woman accused of mailing bombs to obama comma texas gov a texas woman so is ac- funny a texas woman <laughs> is accused of sending homemade bombs to president barack obama and texas governor greg abbott that prosecutors say could have maimed or killed the two leaders court documents it's so funny maimed or killed uh, court documents filed in district court in Houston last week show Julia Poff was indicted earlier this month on six counts for allegedly mailing the bombs in October 2016, including mailing injurious articles and transporting explosives with the intent to kill and injure. And um, holy cow, if you just look up, just I really urge you to go to the article and actually get a look at this woman, because whatever you're thinking of when you think of like cat lady who sends bombs to politicians, you're dead on. That's exactly you're right. what you're thinking. Whatever <laughs> you're thinking, it's just whatever you're thinking this lady looks like, you're right. 
She looks exactly like like that. <laughs> she looks oh, like man. she's never been outside. <laughs> she's she looks like she's covered in cat hair right now in this picture. She looks like she's never but she looks like she was born covered in cat hair. <laughs> and I know the struggle, you know, because I am constantly covered in animal hair myself. Uh, luckily, I'm not completely insane, so you know, I don't really stand a yeah, no, you're chance not, you're of not this happening. Insane. You're totally not completely insane. You're a normal guy, a really normal person. You know, we talk about comedy here a lot. We don't really talk about it, but we just employ it. We do it. Mm-hmm. We're great at it. Our timing is pretty, you know, spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, New York Times. Jesus Christ, like how many how many annoying things is the New York Times going to write this week? Uh, but the New York Times had an article um, last week uh, about whether or not things are conspiring to kind of make, um, make comedy uh, change or maybe become obsolete or become something. I sent you this article. What did you think of it? The, the headline is from the New York Times... Um, television section comedy is booming i can't wait for the bust yeah and uh, i had i had actually read this before you sent it to me um and i i kind of agree that you know it's bound to happen i mean it's been a long time since the last time comedy fell out of fashion and it does seem especially with the uh you know the politically correct culture we're in right now and with more importantly than that uh, just the overexposure of how many comedy shows there are now, um, you know, it seems like we're kind of due. And that's not to say that there's not great comedy out there because, you know, comedy, stand-up, all that kind of stuff is, like, one of my favorite things in the world. But it's like, there's so much of it. There's and, too much. Yeah, there's, there's too much. There's too much. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine who's watching, like, the fifth or sixth uh, Netflix comedy special that gets released in a month. Like, who's watching that? Like, who's... I, I know. I, I don't know. Like, um, I haven't watched the Ali Wong thing, and everybody says that that's, like, supposed to be a great comedy... I, I didn't know, even know she had special. a new one. I remember hers from a few years back. No, good, the only one I, mean, I know of is the one from a few years back because oh, okay, it's like right. <laughs> it's strikingly obvious. Like it, it, it makes an impression on you. It's a fucking pregnant lady, spread eagle, like him okay. standing over yeah, a city, yeah, yeah. and um, to the extent that I find those um, hero images appealing on like on Netflix, where I'm like, oh, that looks interesting, and then like just kind of scroll by it and never actually watch it. I mean, it got my attention. Sure. I don't know. Sure. Like, it's definitely not the reason I'm paying my ten bucks a month. You know. <laughs> well, you know, more, more so than there being so much of it that like who is watching it all, but how does any of it make any money? It, it seems like it would be so spread out. Uh, like, how much money do you think? Uh, Dude, one day we're gonna find out. Like, <laughs> it's gonna be a Bernie Madoff moment where it's gonna turn out that Netflix has been a fucking multi multi billion dollar ponzi scheme and just hemorrhaging cash <laughs> i was watching just like an a, sort of an also ran tv show of theirs the punisher right which is like i mean not a lot of marketing behind it some marketing i guess and some culture sites my dad loves it yeah your dad loves it your dad is a guy that would love it i mean i'll watch yeah. it because just source material i'm a comic book nerd so i'll watch anything if you put a comic book if you put it in the comic book universes i'll watch it but just more out of dutiful fucking reflex reflex than anything I just watched like the opening episode of it was like 
a legit $10 million movie. Like, it was like a movie that required a lot of special effects, fight scenes, choreography, a, a huge cast of actors. And in my mind, I'm like, where the hell is a show like this getting the money to do that? I mean, like, okay, yeah, the short answer is Netflix. But if all 320 million Americans were paying 10 bucks a month to Netflix, if every man, woman, and child had their own subscription and wasn't just like pirating and ripping off their neighbors and their friends, would that still be enough to scale up and make all those kind of all those movies? I really don't. Th- all these all these shows and all this high dollar shit. Yeah, some, some of these people getting are getting out. a lot of money. Like uh, like the Scorsese's next movie is going to be a Netflix original, and you know they're giving him a ton of money to make that. And is there any return on that? Who that doesn't have Netflix is going to be like, you know, I mean, I love Scorsese, but I mean, who's going to be like, you know, oh, I don't already have Netflix. I got to get Netflix now. You know what, though? Going back to the main thing, the main crux of this, um, fucking I got to say this and you're going to you're going to hate me for saying this, but comedy deserves this. Comedy has gotten so self-reverential and self-important and Mm -hmm. there are entire shows the most popular show of the medium that we do is a show where where comedians sit around and talk about dissecting comedy and and just mm-hmm. talk about how incredible it is that they can do the thing that they do and like just fucking blow each other for two and a half hours. When I saw this on the schedule for this week, I knew this is where this conversation was. No, 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 no. I didn't mean for this. To, I really didn't mean. I did not mean for this to go to this. I didn't mean. Uh, forget about. Forget about. Hey. I'm not going well, no, to give you any I, of your Marin shit. All right, forget yeah. about that. Forget about that. A perfect example: Seinfeld and the fucking comedians with coffee and cars and shit. Uh huh. There's, I'm sorry, that is such a small window of time when that show could succeed from the year sure. like 2010 to the year 2016. Anytime, if you tried to pull off that show in the 90s, you tried to pull off that show 10 years from now. People are going to be like, why the fuck do I want to see these ugly motherfuckers talking about why they're so awesome in the back of a car? I'm completely not interested in that. Mm. And and we're at that. That's that's look with with like tech. You can always tell with housing. You can always tell when there's a bubble. Right. When some shitty rundown two bedroom shack is all of a sudden worth like is, is on the market for like four hundred and eighty thousand dollars. You're like, oh, yeah, there's a housing bubble. That show, the fucking Seinfeld show, is the is the bubble. That's the, the <laughs> that's the manifestation of the comedy bubble. The fact that that shit got picked up and is not just picked up, but is the most popular show on its platform. It, it should tell you, comedy's fucking I, done, dude. Comedy's I, finished, I don't... and it's going to turn into something completely new and probably way better than this fucking like, uh, you know, getting four ribs removed from your fucking sternum so that you can blow yourself you know, self-flagellating bullshit. Look, I don't disagree with you necessarily. I, I'm just saying that the one or two episodes of that that I've seen were really funny. <laughs> so, you, would, you would love it. You would fucking yeah, love that but, show. But, but, but this goes back to a, a bigger issue and something we've kind of touched on before, and maybe we'll do a whole segment on one of these days, but the idea that there's just too much out there. Because who has time to watch comedians in cars getting coffee when you already listen to what the fuck and you already listen to some other show that's about com- com- uh, comedians and you already watch like the uh, you know the be- the fake behind the scenes improv series 
by, you know, four of your favorite comedians, you know, all doing that same series uh, blueprint, you know. Um, you know what would be great? What would be great is, so like, much. if you combine the, like, absurdity of the comic of the of the comedy that you and I always loved, and um, <clears throat> which is sort of sketch and not really improv because improv is kind of fucking lame too, um, but that with like the okay, like the the new the thing with I don't, I don't know how to describe this this movement, but where you just string together a bunch of like dirty words and it's like one upsmanship of grossness, like. Like dead, like Deadpool calling somebody like a cum sucking shit weasel fuck nut, like that is stuff. That the, is that the shit that kids post on like Snapchat and Instagram and stuff? That's, yeah, Where, Snapchat. And then they, and and then it's just screaming and stuff into the into the mic. I don't know. What you're I don't. About. I don't. I, I don't understand it. I've seen uh, some of that stuff. But but if, I, I if you if you take the movement towards more like depravity and combine it with absurdity, I think that that could be like a good place for comedy to go, like absurd depravity i'm I'm good with that yeah but you know what though G- give it a few months you'd hate it too yeah. you know because i know i know you when it comes to comedy you you would just start hating it because oh my it's God. the thing people were know. still into the 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 apatow and mumblecore shit so and people were still really into it when i got over it when it was maybe yeah. 2009 or 10 when i was like yeah okay it's enough with this well, that's but because you're really, really cool and stuff. Just, it's just <laughs> is really hard to explain in a podcast how cool I am. Hey, you really how... like the series Love, though. So I mean, there, I there's, there's, yeah, you did. We've talked about it. You yeah, liked it. It was okay. Yeah. No, you're. But there, there is still room for that. It's just I like they, Paul these, Russ. These produce... I like Paul Russ. Yeah, I know you love Paul Russ. Wait, there's. There's room for you, all of these things. They, they just need to scale back a little bit. Did you, know? you ever hear the the story that Paul Russ told? God damn it! This is more of this like removing four of my ribs so that we can I can blow myself things. But <laughs> did you ever hear the story that Paul Russ told on WTF about? <laughs> he goes, he goes, yeah, you know, I was, um, you know, in co- I think he was in college. He was like, I had I had a bit where I got up on stage and uh, you know I, I did like this ever increasing um absurd you know act and where eventually I, I ended up dropping my pants and i would take a shit on the stage uh-huh. <laughs> and park Barrow was like that's crazy you're one of those comedians huh okay well like how did you do it what did you use for the shit and he was like no i shit i took a shit on the stage he's <laughs> like i used shit i used shit out of my ass this is the guy that q loves I love him. He's the best. He's the best. Hey, but you know, you know what? I just a, a second ago, I brought up this article. Uh, it's from it's from March of this year, but apparently, and I I don't I haven't actually seen these, but apparently Netflix had announced at this point uh, that they were going to release a stand up special every week in 2017. How how is that even possible? I don't know, man. I don't even know, I don't even like stand up anymore. I don't like stand up. There's nothing like even even the last Louis stand up I wasn't even really that into. Oh, fuck you. The last Louis special was so fucking good. I think I watched it at your house last time I was in Vegas. Maybe. And it was fine. Remember. It was great. It was good. No, it was good. It was fucking hilarious. It was so good. I get, who's who's like great at stand up right now? Who's the You, oh, you watch stand up that was stand up doesn't age well, dude. Stand up is the most it's, ephemeral, fleeting, like 
That's like, simply I know not true. There are Snapchat feeds that stand up better than than fucking stand up. Like you watch Chris Rock, that shit is just nothing. For, you can watch an hour it's fucking of hilarious. you can watch an hour of 2003 Chris Rock and not laugh once. You can watch you, you're an insane. hour of Eddie Murphy Raw, the greatest stand up ever made, and not laugh fucking once today. I'm sorry, you're, dude. There's nothing funny about it. You're absolutely insane. I'm just telling you that right now. <laughs> I don't understand you. <laughs> I don't know, be mad. Man. I'm just pissing you off. I think I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just trolling you. I'm just fucking with you right now. My hate for the week is going to be Q's stand-up <laughs> Q's opinions. fucking face and his dumb mouth. With that little God, fucking mouth you got on it. you. <laughs> so what's the verdict? Are we heading for a comedy bust or are we not? I do think we are. I, I think you're wrong about everything, but I, th- I think we are because, uh, you know, just the overexposure of it. I, I think they're just doing too much. They're, they're putting too much out there. Um, and, you know, of course, all these comedians need to keep, you know, trying to do what they do because that's what they want to do with their lives. But there's just not there, there's no way that there can be this much comedy and it stay good. It's, I think the funniest. I think the funniest thing that's going to come out of the comedy bus when it happens is when everybody realizes what emotionally fragile people comedians are when they start all fucking like on mass swallowing the barrel of a gun and blowing their fucking brains out because they like lose their Netflix specials and shit like that. Uh, and and everybody's like, oh my hey. god, oh my god, these people were profoundly disturbed. I told well, you to before. Be- my, pr- my my prediction is that, I mean, I know that you don't like to hear it, but my, I do predict that Louis will kill himself because uh-huh. he's like, he's a really, he's a sensitive guy. I, I mean, uh-huh. God damn, it's well, really that's, that's kind of hard to it, say it, that right now, but like he, <laughs> he, he will probably, I think, probably kill himself. I mean, if you if you pay attention at all, you know that pretty much all comedians seem to be sensitive people, you know, with, with the kind of issues you're talking about. I think they'll just go back to being just people at bars doing comedy and doing nothing you know and not having any shred of success but continuing to just do it because it's what they do well that's that's a really good it's their only outlet i would say comedy more than like any of the other entertainment sort of fields is one where the upbringing the way that you succeed in it prepares you to at any point in time live with nothing to be poor right. again. Like you could Absolutely. any comedian I think could deal with being poor much more easily after after having some modicum of success uh better than a, you know, a pop singer or a, a rapper or an athlete or anything like that. They could probably or a go politician. back or a politician, which I yeah. guess is part of entertainment now. Um It is. <laughs> um you know, you could go back to just doing Maybe not open mics, but you could go back to doing, you know, go back on the road and yeah. eke out a living and, you know, figure it Absolutely. out, I suppose. Absolutely. White Pearls Entertainment, um, <laughs> the, the the studios is going to undergo some unwanted changes, right? That's right. Um, yeah, I've got a, a little thing I, I sort of uh, prepared here to talk about. Um, so, I've, you know, first of all, uh, for anyone listening who doesn't 
know, you know, I, I'm a music composer. And for the past 21 years, uh, I've been making music with a program called Sonar uh, from a company called Cakewalk. And it's really been like the center of my life, really, for all that time. And, uh, you know, you've been there for a good portion of it, like 18 years or something. But I started even longer before that. And about four years ago, the CEO of Cakewalk left and the company was sold to Gibson, the guitar company. And at first it didn't seem like it was going to be a big deal, but as I was originally going to make this segment, uh, it was originally going to be about when these companies come in and acquire smaller companies and completely destroy them. But, you know, I didn't really uh, prepare good enough to really <laughs> make notes and all that because this is me we're talking about here. Uh, because but, why uh, ever would you? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the short version is Gibson just after 21 years shut down Cakewalk Sonar. Um, they've com- yeah, they've completely uh, just shut the company down last minute. Um and we're talking about a product that in these past few years had switched to a subscription uh, plan with uh, the option for lifetime subscription for those that were, you know, really passionate about making music and sonar. And uh, oh, my God, yeah, Dave, that, did that, you that do... lifetime is over now. Did you <laughs> did you pop for the lifetime? Oh, of course I did. Yeah, oh because that's what I was going to be using for my lifetime. Absolutely. Um, Does that mean that you have to kill yourself now? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, you know, I can continue using it, uh, you know, possibly forever, but, you know. They won't update it. Years. It won't It won't be yeah. supported. Exactly. It won't be supported. It won't be updated. There's a very good chance that whether it's in a year, three years, ten years, like, you won't even be able to install it anymore because, you know, it'll just be completely outdated, maybe a new version of Windows or whatever, and it, you know, won't be supported anymore. Well, this um, is so, not like the, the, the concept of like forced obsolescence, like eventually, you know, if you don't support a software, then the hardware moves past it and you just yeah, can't, and, it becomes untenable. And sure, you, you could be the weirdo with like an old ass <clears throat> computer that, you know, is totally out of date at this point for the rest of the world, but oh, at least I have my sonar. Uh, but I'm just not going to do that because, you know, I try to stay, you know, in with what's, you know, what's happening with computers and try and, you know, to stay being able to make the best music I can make. And, you know, I think holding myself back like that is ridiculous. So, you know, this past week I've been doing like a ton of research trying to find out what I'm going to do because this is like, you know, a pretty fucking major thing for me. Um, and, uh, you know, just a quick rundown of some of the other programs that are popular that I could have been with all this time, but uh, always stuck with Sonar through all these years. Um, you know, the the big name brand like Kleenex of uh, of music software is like Pro Tools, which most people know that name. Um, it I've never liked Pro Tools, and most people recognize that it's not necessarily good. It's just the one that people know. Um, and right underneath Pro Tools would be Logic, uh, which is only for Apple, and I'm not an Apple guy. Based on what um, you've told me, based on what you've told me, Pro Tools reminds me of sort of the final cut of of DAWs or DAWs or whatever, because sure. it's the one that everybody knows. And like, if you see somebody on television editing music, they're probably using Pro Tools. Yeah. But when if you're a person that actually does it, you know that it, it's it's not that it sucks. It's just not very. 
not right. It's not great. And and it is pretty good for uh, recording bands, but anything else, it's it's not really uh, very well suited. Um, you know, for MIDI composition, which is how I do most of my music, for working with loops, for working with uh, actual composing, um, it's not really a very good uh, DAW. Um, but yeah, so then you got Logic, you've got Ableton, which is mainly for electronic music. Right under that, you've got Cubase and Studio One. And Studio One is the one that I'm going with. It's from a company called uh, Prisonus, uh, which is a very respected company um, in music. Um, and right, right under Cubase and Studio One, some people might say tied with them, but right under now it doesn't really fucking matter because they're dead. But would be Cakewalk Sonar, um, and then everything else kind of just goes down. I'm not going to bother listing the rest of them, but they're underneath there. So there's there's pre, pre, there's Predabone, there's, <laughs> there's chocolate there's, tracks, there's chocolate tracks, there's there's a Choctaw sound. You, you you kind of ran with my chalk uh, syllable there. Crum, crummy loops. <laughs> yeah, actually, Fruity Loops has somehow become a uh, respected software. I don't fucking know how. I would never use it. Um, <laughs> but that that's that's a side point there. Um, but anyway, yeah, I uh, I did like a lot a lot of research, which is part of the reason why I didn't actually get to write much of my uh, companies ac- acquiring smaller companies bit because I was. Uh, like seriously, any free chance I got, I was watching videos, trying out demos, reading articles, uh, trying to really make up a decision. Because, like I said, Sonar could keep working for a while, but uh, it's really like like dead man walking, just just wasting my time. Any minute I spend working with it and not starting to learn something new. Um, but like I said, the one I went with is Studio One, and so far I've been very pleasantly surprised. Um, it, it's been pretty easy for me to change my process. Um, it, it's not going to be easy for me to transfer my old projects into, and I probably just won't even bother. I mean, I'll just finish what I can in Sonar and then just consider that done forever, uh, which is horrible and heartbreaking. Um, but moving so forward... Wait, let, uh, let, let me ask you yeah. something. What does yeah. this mean for the legacy of, of, of our numerous hip-hop comedy groups that we did in the early 2000s like Kill Corpse Gangsters and Polar Bear yeah. MCs. Does this mean that if I wanted you to reopen the studio session it, six months from now, if I wanted you to reopen the studio, if I'm in Vegas and visiting and hanging out and we mm-hmm. you know, get some sort of substances inside of us that make us want to do something crazy and yeah. we go into the studio and I'm like open up the studio session for who got the motherfucking crack rocks. I want to like sure. redo my verse. Will you be able to do that or... Is that chapter closed? Pretty much. Uh, six months, maybe. A uh, year or two, it may very well be closed. Um, the only way I would be able to accommodate that would be if I spent, you know, it's probably not that long, but we're talking like at least a half hour or more, maybe an hour per song going through exporting split wave files for every single track uh, getting all kinds of data about the synths that I was using and writing them down by hand so I could reload them into the other program. I mean, there's simply no easy way to do it. So you know, you know, you're just you're reaping what you've sowed. You know that, right? Why is that? This is look. You wanted so badly when we were kids and we were all 
you know, rapping in your studio and you were uh-huh. fucking exploiting us for our incredible uh-huh. writing and our great, uh-huh. our great, you know, um, aren't com- I still exploiting you for your incredible writing comedy value? <laughs> you, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is it's a bubble, Dave, and it's going to burst. No, um, oh, <laughs> no, you could have really easily. What the fuck was that? Did you just, <laughs> did you just punch a robot? Like, <laughs> I swear to God, it sounds like you just slugged a robot in the mouth. I, and cra- I'm sorry. I was, I, was accident- I was turning around and I accidentally kicked over this Thundermaker <laughs> that I have in the studio. I fucking hate you so much. I fucking hate you. Why would you have a Thundermaker? So you've decided to make a podcast with your best friend. Rule number one, keep loud objects nearby that you can step on or bump into. Preferably Thundermakers. Rule number two, do no preparation. Wait until two hours before the podcast to open up the working Google document where your friend has put all the notes for the episode. And those are the only rules. What was that, Dave? I stepped on a Thundermaker <laughs> while we were recording. <laughs> You're so worthless. You're so worthless. I couldn't even get through my explanation of why you've brought this whole thing on yourself. <laughs> okay, tell me why I brought this whole thing on myself. Because how much easier would your life have been? And how much better would you have prepared all the rest of us? There were six people there. In that okay, room. Okay, okay, get to the point. You could have trained us <laughs> on how to how to how to use these uh how to how to use the the how to use cakewalk. You could have sh- shown us. And you so, so, so jealously <laughs> guarded that knowledge. Like the very and by the way, you know what happened? You know how much respect I lost for you the first time I got brought into <laughs> The fu- at the Miami Herald building when they brought me in and they were like, okay, we're going to teach you how to use non non linear editing software. Sit down. Okay, you see the you see the 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 C. Yeah, that means cut. You see the V. That means paste. This is the beginning. This is the end. And I, I, I was like, this motherfucker. That's all that this was. That's all that it was. This Wait, so is like, you're say, you're so saying- jealously guarding that little bit of knowledge and control that you had. So you're worried saying- that one of us might learn how to use fucking basic <laughs> editing software and, I don't know, sprout wings and fly away. <laughs> you're saying that I not only wanted to use you for your writing and rapping abilities, but I also wanted you to put, put you to work editing tracks for me you wanted to control you in classic jewish capitalist uh style you wanted to control the means of production (laughs) and you exploited us along the way oh i I don't know what to say (laughs) 
if I could go back, I would. Sorry would suffice. (laughs) I'd do it all again. (laughs) Hey, I'm sorry I didn't train you in sonar, which is now obsolete. Yeah, well, maybe if. No, you know what, though? It is your fault. Think about it. What keeps software um, afloat? What, users? Users. If there had yeah. been maybe six more users, maybe that was the critical mass. If you had trained six more people to be so, sonar so you're users. Saying, you're saying next to the Bizzo and Billy, if they were next to the Bizzo, the Big Yummy, Billy, MC Massacre from Alaska, um, who I think was Actually, probably... He already. He, I, he, I think he was using Fruity Loops, wasn't he? He was. He was making his own so. beats. Yeah. I did turn random into a sonar user, but then he switched to Mac after. And demise is using a cracked copy. So. <laughs> demise is Stevie from Eastbound and Down. He's like, I got a cracked copy of Logic that you can. But yeah, so I'm I'm using Studio One now, and like I said, I'm re- I'm really getting the hang of it. And there's a few things that are different, but uh, overall, I'm I'm really liking it. There's actually some things that are a lot better, and uh, I've already started making some tracks. I've been making a few tracks that are going to end up uh, possibly for our little jingles here on the show. I also made some tracks that are more like my album music, uh, which I played uh, one for Gina, and she was like, "Well, it sounds like everything else you make." And I was like, you know, thanks for that backhanded compliment. But uh, <laughs> uh, but it does prove that I can make my music in another program. So I'm very happy about that. Gina the Shade Queen. Just like <laughs> yeah. dropping it. Like, just dropping it. Just dropping it. Like, hmm, that's great. I guess <laughs> my life is just going to be more of the same from you. Huh? <laughs> no Wonderful. giving up on music for me. <laughs> but... Uh, so anyway, uh, you know, I just want to conclude this uh, by saying that I'm excited for the future of making music, even with this new different program. And uh, I also want to say fuck Gibson and fuck all their subsidiaries like TAC, KRK, Ankyo, Philips, and Epiphone. Fuck them all um, because they're responsible for the death of Cakewalk. And... Uh, I, on the other hand, own a uh, $4,000 Gibson Hummingbird uh, from 1967, so... Fuck your guitar. Yeah, well, (laughs) it is what it is. (laughs) What are other examples? Because you asked me to come up with other examples, and I think I came up with two. But I feel like I've... I don't know. I feel like I really failed because I hear about this stuff all the time. I've, I've experienced it myself where, like... All of a sudden, you just lose access to a software. And usually, mm-hmm. it's not even where you get to keep it. It's just like, oh, this is done. You're never going to get yeah. to use this shit again. Usually, for me, the ones that, that hurt the most are not even software or companies. They're little things like plugins, like screenshot software. And sure, yeah. little plugins that just disappear or, like, you know, go away. And then you have to find a substitute for them. But the one yes. that I wrote down is, and you tell me what yours is if you have one. Um, is Winamp. Do you remember Winamp? Yeah, of course. Winamp was Winamp. the fucking way to listen to music, dude. That was the best way to Who listen to music. Who bought them? AOL. Oh, they did. AOL oh, bought yeah. them, and there's actually... AOL bought a, a lot of stuff back then. Yeah, and ruined all of it. Everything yeah. AOL touched turned to shit. Everything. Mm-hmm. AOL was it's like, uh, like, a, like, a, like a fucking succubus of a company. Like It, it was so fat and living off the largesse of just being the first to a space 
that they never innovated or did anything interesting. And yeah. um, and the story of Winamp, I'm not going to go through the whole thing because this is only like a one and a half hour podcast. So, but if you want to, there's a great story about it on um, Ars Technica that I read a few months ago about how Winamp and the like few plucky engineers behind it were like really kind of trying to make it happen all the way up until like 2013. They were actually still trying to do it. And they had, even in 2013, I, I might be wrong. It might be like 2012 or something. But even in 2013, they had like 20 million users. They had 20 million people out there who were launching their 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 software pretty regularly, like every other day or so. And that's crazy to think that there was that many people still using it. Back in the day, in like 2001, if you clicked on an audio file, Winamp is what opened. And Oh, yeah. I don't know. That was the one that, that, that jumped to my mind. What, what were you thinking about apart from your fucking dearly departed? <clears throat> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't have specific examples of Google, but Google is pretty famous for buying up little programs. Everybody thinks they're going to, you know, turn it into a Google main app, but then they just, you know, use a few bits of code or something and destroy yeah. the rest of the app. You know, they're, they're pretty famous for it. Also, Facebook, when they bought the Oculus Rift, um, you know, the jury's still out on whether or not that could potentially be a good thing, but it certainly doesn't seem to have, uh, you know, capitalized on all the excitement there was behind that thing. For Yeah, uh, the Oculus reality. Rift was like the fucking, every, everybody at South by Southwest was like jerking off over the concept of the uh, uh, Oculus Rift. Yeah, it was the ago. thing until, until uh, Facebook bought them and then, you know, they just lost so much of that, like, initial user uh, excitement. God, virtual reality is such an interesting, like, you know, compelling uh, area for, for growth. But you know what its biggest challenge is? Is that it fucking sucks. <laughs> Everything about virtual reality fucking blows. Okay. You and know is, I, have a, I have a lot of experience in this. And we, we could talk about it in a whole other segment. But I will just quickly say the the virtual reality doesn't suck. The... The act of getting into virtual reality sucks. That's what sucks about virtual reality. Once you're in, it's pretty damn awesome nowadays. The, like the new experiences that are out there. Honestly, but like what you just it's described, such a pain, is, it's such a pain in the ass. Though you could, you could, you could say you could describe the act of like um, going to federal prison the same way. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, once you're in there, it's pretty awesome. But like, you know, getting in there, I don't think there, it's pretty awesome though. Oh no, but like, I mean, <laughs> the first day when you like, you know beat up the biggest guy there <laughs> and rape him. Q has very different priorities than me. No, like when I go to prison, it's on, dude. Something's gonna something's gonna give. And it ain't gonna be me. Ain't gonna be me. That's gonna be the. We're in. We're in. While you were talking, we're already in. We're in the new segment. Um, so, have you ever wondered, Dave, as a person who, uh, you know, who less than a century ago had a huge majority of of the people of your ethnic heritage wiped off the face of the earth? Um, have you ever wondered if maybe you're just like not understanding Nazis best, better, like good enough? <laughs> have you ever wondered to yourself, like, 
you know. I need to see things from their point of view. I need to see things from their point of view. Maybe they're just misunderstood. Um, This, I feel almost like a hack going over this article because at this point, (laughs) fucking everyone has read it and had their fucking hot take on it. Um, Dateline, Huber Heights, Ohio, Tony and Maria Hovater were married this fall. They registered at Target. On their list was a muffin pan, a four-drawer dresser, and a pineapple slicer. Uh, Miss Hovater, 25, was worried about Antifa bashing up the ceremony. Weddings are hard enough to plan for when your fiancé is not an avowed white nationalist. So, yeah, this is the article that everybody was talking about on Twitter over the weekend about uh, basically like a fucking style section, uh, you know, soft pedal, um, cutesy-wootsy profile of this guy, um, Tony Hovater. Uh, from New Carlisle, Ohio. The New York Times has taken a lot of heat, uh, standing steadfastly there uh, alongside the reporting on this. this, I mean, there's really not a lot of reporting. This is just a fucking profile piece. Here's the thing. I put this on because I wanted to talk about it because people, when they were criticizing this and kind of, I, I think that it, that the the real machinations of what happens in journalism are, are misunderstood. I think that there's a um, a perception of like, oh, what reporting is. There's a few, maybe ten to twelve different cultural touchstones that you have out there, depending on what movies you've seen or TV shows you've watched that are about journalism or journalism adjacent. Like, um, I think there are probably people who think that Spotlight which did a great job of showing the investigative, the long drawn out painful, you know, basically like uh, the, the, the process of, of, of really trying to get to the bottom of an issue and get it to a point where it's good enough to, to put on print and, and put out there. And then there's probably a lot of people that think of journalism as like what the girl from Bloodsport was doing when she went to like cover Kumite. <laughs> like there's probably like somewhere in between there is most people they're like, Oh, well that's what that is. When you get assigned a bullshit-ass story like this, it's not hard to make. And what it gets to be is a proxy for what either you or your um, your higher-ups, your editorial board, your, your, your immediate, <clears throat> your, your immediate uh, direct report, it, it becomes a proxy for what other people want out of the story. And I say that to say this. The New York Times is in a position right now where they are so on guard about being perceived just by virtue of reporting normal news, reporting straight down the middle facts of the day of what happens. They're so worried about being perceived as having a left-leaning bias Mm. that they're willing to do this. They feel compelled to do this kind of story every now and then. You don't really Uh, even learn anything by reading it. I think uh, <laughs> I think I think that there's like two, way more of a disconnect between uh, these people. Well, I think that the the what do you mean by these people? <laughs> I think I think these people, these Trump supporters and and people like this, I, I think they kind of live in such a. Uh, such a a world where they're separated from the rest of us. And I think that that maybe makes somebody think an article like this would be interesting to, to like to shed a light on that. But 
at the same time, I mean, I I don't really see how there could be any kind of a, uh, a common ground human anything to be interested in with somebody like this guy. Yeah, here's my problem with these guys is because when they when they when the New York Times engages with them, and this one's this guy's just some you know fucking limp dick nobody in the middle of nowhere Ohio who gives a shit. Uh, but when they when when you see mainstream journal uh, mainstream journalists or or reporters kind of um you know parrying and, and and going back and forth with with maybe a Richard Spencer or people people like along those lines <clears throat> their go-to move is you can't really believe that do you you don't really think that do you and then there's like nowhere else that they go with it nobody ever challenges their okay put it this way when Bernie Sanders or somebody who's like you know Elizabeth Warren or somebody who's who's similarly you know on the left of politics gets up and says I think that you know we should have um, universal uh, basic income we should have things like uh, universal health care I believe in um, uh, you know free education tuition free education for for everybody who attends um, state colleges right the right and the left and the center does a great job every fucking time of saying, okay, Bernie, but where do you pay for it? And then where does that money come from? And then if that money comes and does that, then what's it taking away from? So that what they do is they take and they attack those ideas uh, in, in a way where they, they, they game it out to the very end. Nobody ever asks Richard Spencer to game out his white nationalism to the end. Nobody ever says, okay, so that's your position is that we should strive to be a white ethno state. We've got about conservatively 90 million people in this country that don't fit into that. So what happens to them? Where do they go? No. How do you get them there? How do you remove them from here? What about the overwhelming majority of them that don't want to leave? What is your plan for them? Uh, just to magically hope that they self uh, self deport or self you know, identify and leave because that's the dumbass shit that he said in the past. Nobody ever holds him down and is like, Oh, uh, nobody ever gets beyond the immediate shock factor of what he's saying to apply that kind of critical thinking, the way that they apply it to, um, to people on the left, you know, the people who are doing, who are suggesting crazy things like taking care of people and (laughs) and educating them and paying them. And, you know, Ending the well, sp- corporatocracy I think, I that think, we live in. I think what you're saying speaks to a, a bigger uh, problem, something that Bill Maher talks about a lot. Uh, that you know. Oh, my favorite live- guy. <laughs> yeah, another another fucking comedian that you must hate. <laughs> but uh, but no, that that liberal, you know, liberal and progressive type people need to grow some balls and actually use some of those tactics that you know conservatives or you know centrist yes. type people yeah in that would be he's using. right in yeah. that he's right the part about like exterminating muslims maybe not some of the n-word part and i don't know if i agree with him on that part like just like being right, able to right. use that word um hey no, nobody's perfect <clears throat> <laughs> some people are less not perfect than others though right <laughs> although that kind of thinking is in line with richard spencer so sure, sure. <laughs> um, no but he's right he's right about that uh the thing that kills me still to this day on on twitter and it bothers the shit out of me is when i see people liberals on online complaining about hypocrisy as if 
this is some kind of fucking like Oxford rules debate that is, you know, that there's a score being kept and some there's some moderator who's going to, you know, go back and dock you points for uh, contradicting what you said earlier. There is no such thing. And the energy that the left wastes or that liberals waste on trying to out hypocrisy and point it out and just throwing their hands up in the air and, and, and wringing their wringing their hands and, 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 and pulling their hair out over hypocrisy is such wasted energy yeah, because the right doesn't give a shit. The right not doesn't give a anyone. shit. They're yeah. only going to point out hypocrisy when it's the other way. They're mm-hmm. never going to recognize the, the, uh, the same logical flaws in their own thinking. And, it's just it, it, all those it, it's time to stop caring about that shit it's it's time to stop having honest intellectual debates maybe one day when the fucking future of the planet isn't in peril when the fucking uh when when there aren't people who are like fucking mr hovader aren't being given platforms on the uh the 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 country's paper of record um when we get past this immediate threat Maybe that'll be a great time for us to start having these, um, you know, organized, well-reasoned debates again. But until then, I, I, I see shit like this in the New York Times and I'm like, why are we engaging on a, why are we trying to engage on a fair playing field? Why are we trying to show why are we tilting the playing field to make it seem like it's even? Why are yeah. we tilting it? The, 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 the playing field's not even the way that it is. Fucking don't engage in that game. Play a different game. It's ridiculous. By the way, on a side note, can I just say, why does uh, Mr. Hovader get uh, coverage in the New York Times, but My Music or Bird Road doesn't? It's a really good question that you bring up. It's actually a really good question. Um, uh, (laughs) He must have a better publicist than us. (laughs) I have a few ideas. If this is the kind of like, uh, you know, story that they're looking to pursue, I have a few ideas of how we can get in the New York Times. Most, <laughs> most, and, of, and I, and, most and of them I'm involve. I'm gonna have to do some things. <laughs> I'm gonna have to do some things. Um, most of them involve lighter fluid and your front lawn. <laughs> don't want to. I don't want to have to do it, but just know that I do it with love in my heart. And um. <laughs> by the way, an, an, another little thing about this article, did, did you not start like, uh, I don't know, just kind of like a <laughs> sigh of just like, ugh, you know, uh, as you're going through the first four paragraphs and they've already mentioned Target, Applebee's, Olive Garden, Steak and Shake. And just like, you know, that's America yeah, yeah, right yeah. there. No, they're, they're <laughs> like trying to. <laughs> that's relatable America, right? There. No, because they're <laughs> it's like. all that shit. <laughs> they want you to think about. By the way, the the. <laughs> by the way, the fuck way, Target. <laughs> the way that the way that New York Times readers have sort of cloistered themselves into these very specific, non-big box zip codes, like like a New York Times reader is not a, a person who gets the New York Times delivered to them is not going to fucking Target. Like not anymore. <laughs> That's past. Now those people, I don't know what they get. Fucking, I I don't even know. I don't even know what pieces of paper that they read off of that they interact with on a daily on a day to day basis. Fucking, <laughs> like, 
overdue medical bills. I don't know. Unless they start printing articles about people on overdue medical bills. Like, I don't think that anybody's going to learn about fucking Mr. Hovater. Um, But the way that the New York Times reporters so, like, kind of ham-fistedly try to sh- try to show this is stuff you do and this guy's somewhere right he could be the guy standing right next to you at right. any given moment maybe this guy's there and maybe bad things will happen if he has to die <laughs> <laughs> did you ever think about bad guy this is bad. <laughs> here let me let me let me summarize the article for you right now I'm gonna read it okay starting with the headline. A Voice of Hate in America's Heartland by Richard Fawcett. Do you ever think about bad guy? <laughs> this bad guy could be anywhere. He could be bad right next to you. And you're not going to do anything or know anything. Do you know that he has a girlfriend? <laughs> the end. That's the whole article. That's it. Just like a... Like a dumb mountain of like spewing garbage like idiotness idiocy (laughs) dumb dumb brains just like a pile of dumb dumb brains pouring all over the fucking place (laughs) you should be afraid of this guy because who knows what he could do do you know it's legal to have a gun (laughs) he right behind you he right behind you just kidding or am I (laughs) I don't know. I don't even have. The, I don't even have the same problem with this article that a lot of the people that were complaining about it on on social media have with it, where they're just like, there was a huge well, they response. They were probably offended by it. You just think it's stupid. They're offended by just the existence of the guy and the and yeah. They're they're offended by the um by the insistence of the uh, of of the New York Times of just even acknowledging that he exists. Like the New York Times right. to them, to them the New York Times validates his existence by writing about him and right. um and makes it okay. I can see that. I can see that. I'm more offended by the the just shoddiness of it and the the causality behind it. Like the 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 wimpiness of it. Like the uh, voluntarily during a, a time of struggle, during a time when, like, you know, facts should be mattering more and the presentation of the wide spectrum of ideas and their strong rightward leaningness right now and the, 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 the fact that right-leaning ideas that are by and large wrong um, are winning in the, uh, in, 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 in the ballot box, if nowhere else. Um, during that time for an arbiter of public opinion to be so concerned about the appearance of, of being fair and balanced, so worried about being perceived as not, uh, you know, giving voice to both sides of the, of, of issues to concoct situations where they release articles like this, where they quote unquote report uh, this, like, again, my, my original problem, this isn't really reporting. This is just following somebody around and, and, and putting color on it. Color is the easiest, laziest thing to do as a reporter. It's so simple and so dumb. All you have to be is like a mildly, you know, engaged writer. 
and who, who's like capable of doing a little bit more than AP style. And this person, this guy's not even really that great of a writer, honestly. But to the artifice behind all of it, the like the bullshit left right fairness we ran one bad story about the about conservatives now let's run one good story about them we ran one bad story about liberals let's run a good one we don't want to be seen in a certain way and let's let that sort of horse race of evenness guide our coverage it it is bullshit if they were if the new york times was being actual arbiters of of what is fact they would probably very rarely ever run a single article that paints a single right-leaning policy, politician, uh, <laughs> constituent in anything resembling a positive light. Because there is there are there's very little positive light on that side of the, what's what's going on. It, empirically, on its face, everything conservatives believe is wrong. Everything. I mean, like, I'm sorry. Oh God, I'm so fucking partisan. I'm sorry that like <laughs> I, 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 I can't just I can't, I can't look at the fucking wall in front of me and, and say <laughs> that it's white. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, like everything that the modern conservative believes is 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 wrong, wrong for the world, wrong for our country, wrong for people, wrong for institutions, wrong as a matter of fact or or, or right. not. <laughs> Everything that the modern conservative believes is the equivalent of me taking this pen and holding it in the air and dropping it and expecting it to float. <laughs> it's wrong. It won't. It'll fall. <laughs> and I'll be sad. Because I used to have that pen. The pen dropped. The pen dropped. <laughs> <laughs> the pen dropped through the hole in my floor that I never got fixed. In Florida, we had a hurricane. (laughs) And now there's holes in my floors. I keep people in them. But they don't... They don't want to eat pens. They say... They say they don't want to eat any pens or (laughs) screwdrivers. I dropped a canister of canned air in there and dude they only lasted a while (laughs) it only lasted a while it only lasted for a while (laughs) I feed them Mountain Dew and crayons (laughs) what the fuck I'm saying that I have people living in holes inside of my house since the hurricane and I don't want to talk about it I don't know their names. Oh my God. On the topic of other dumb media shit. Uh, have you heard of Cheddar? No. And I, I clicked on your link here, but then I, I took one look and I was like, I don't even want to see this. <laughs> I don't know what it is. And it's just in with no audio. It already annoyed me as well. It should. It's dumb as shit. I wish that I had taken more time to like, to really calmly write down my thoughts of what this is. Cheddar looks like 
Cheddar is che- based- cheddar is different because it's young, fresh, and vibrant. I just saw that uh, that <laughs> caption on the video. That's I honestly I don't know how long Cheddar's been around, but they got. I guess they have a partnership right now with uh, actually one of my former employers, Fusion Television, who we who we made fun of in our earlier skit. Who I always love to make fun of. I love making fun of what Fusion TV turned into. Um, I mean, I have a lot of friends that still work there, and I love them. But and there's a lot of good journalism still going on there. But the aesthetic that they've built for themselves is a little, little twee and like very. I don't know. It's 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 not it's not something that I think is part of the solution. I, I think it's part of the problem under the category of things that are part of the problem. Uh, Cheddar, which calls itself post cable, the the world's leading post cable news network, is basically if you wanted to imagine the the meme of Steve Buscemi dressed up like a teenager, and he's like, where he's like, "Hello, fellow kids," <laughs> from Kimmy Schmidt. Uh-huh. That's if CNN or no, fuck that headline news, no Fox Fox News, if Fox News tried to become bay and fleek <laughs> and like put on like a pair of uh, you know a pair of chuck taylors and uh, like throw a skateboard over its back and <laughs> put on oh a backwards backwards baseball cap that's what cheddar is <laughs> they talk about how they're like for by millennials for millennials and like the kind of news that millennials care about you know, things like sports, fashion, entertainment, business, tech, politics. If you're in your 20s or your 30s, Apple, Netflix, Amazon, Facebook, Google, Tesla, SpaceX is the most interesting stuff in the world. That's I'm, re- I'm reading verbatim from the fucking caption. <laughs> this is <laughs> another one of these weird, having worked in this fucking industry, I can tell you that... I can tell you exactly what the what the room smells like that this the conference room smells like that this that this idea came out of like coffee it smells like um uh, like <laughs> it smells like cr- like craft beer it smells like <laughs> it smells like vapes vape pens it like I I, I tell like I know. The word millennial was written really big up on one of the walls. <laughs> and then like the below it, like with arrows pointing to the word like Beyonce and Jay-Z and Bay and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and like I, I it's it's all just so callow and I, I'm such a lame a idea of what it means to be you know what? You're younger than me. You're technically a millennial. You are qualified no, to you are qualified <laughs> to comment on this. Not only well, are looking, you a I'm millennial, <laughs> you're dating a firmly planted millennial. Like somebody yeah, who is a, like she's a millennial. I, I am not a millennial, but I, I don't care what I you think say, you are, dude. You're like right there no, on that I'm cusp. Not. I'm like I'm, just I'm right it. on the cusp, but I'm You're like I'm two years younger than me. It. You're two years younger yeah. than me, or a year and a half younger than me, or something like that. And I'm just I'm just past the cusp. So that means that you must be on the other side of it. And I'm, I'm looking I, at I gotta these headlines you, on the Cheddar website, and um, they are just like so vapid. So yeah, vapid. Why Courtney Kardashian went to this Instagrammable place? 
<laughs> that can't be a headline. I don't believe you. I'm telling you, I'm looking at it right You made that now. up. You made up that I, headline. I, I'm looking at it right now. Um, <laughs> Tim Meadows reacts to the allegations against Al Franken. Is, is that what kids are? Yeah, that's what kids are super checking on. <laughs> yeah, everybody, like, I got to tell you, I'm fucking 38 years old. I feel <laughs> way too young to care about that story. What's, how, what how, fi- what a 55-year-old <laughs> sketch actor thinks about a 65-year-old sketch actor. This one's really making me laugh. It's just how to protect your baby monitor from hackers, but the like the the uh the still image of the video it's is just like a baby this, give, like getting the finger given to no, it or something. It's this big like bald with a big beard like lumberjack looking guy like like speaking like <laughs> you know <laughs> like <laughs> they couldn't do anything about that. Um, I, I'm laughing about this shit, but I got to tell you man, I find this shit People going back to remember when we were kids and the thing was Tipper Gore. She was all about like, you know, what's offensive on television and the the, the, the parents council and the whole thing. And then, you know, Janet Jackson, I think about like through the history of like what people find offensive. I find this shit offensive. This shit is so (laughs) like the, the, the thoughtlessness, the, the, the mark, the teams of marketing robots right. and idiots and and, and pure reams marketing. of reams marketing of marketing at its worst. Yeah, it's just pure marketing dressed up as journalism through the sheen of content of the yeah. fucking amorphous word content that has I, I'm fucking in my j, in my day job content is in my fucking title and content I'll tell you right now it means it's nothing. It means nothing. It's a nothing word. Yeah. It's a of fucking course. nothing word. It's it, it's I shouldn't be so harsh. Content is as much as you make of it. Like, and this is not, they fucking, are you kidding me? This is something that's geared for millennials and what millennials care about. And they fucking shoot from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Like, here's, here's how you can plug yourself into the system that will systematically take you apart, rape you and use you for every little bit of fucking quantifiable worth and, and commoditize your entire uh, existence and uh and this is what you care about because it's fucking bay and fleek <laughs> and you're gonna love this shit that we show you spacex elon musk what's he doing oh, God. that's what i hate i don't even know what i love what do you got <clears throat> um cheddar well, don't fucking watch it you know what yeah. post cable news <laughs> i say cheddar should be post post viewer Cable Cheddar will be the first cable network that doesn't require viewers. Because, by the way, I don't even know who the fuck is paying for this thing. I made fun a few weeks ago of John Podoritz and fucking Commentary Magazine for the... You know what? At least by process of of just paying fucking attention, you can tell who's probably paying for... uh, Who's paying for um, Commentary Magazine... This shit is about a thousand times more sinister because I don't know who the fuck. I feel like Cthulhu is paying for this shit. I don't know who <laughs> is paying for Cheddar. Like where the fuck they're being funded from. That scares the shit out of me because think about what their motivation is. Trying to get millennials onto the whole like fucking Silicon Valley tech, Wall Street, startup, you know, like bought into that capitalism culture and like completely living that bullshit Wall Street money never sleeps life. 
that's what this thing is geared for. But what with this, like, again, like I said, a fake sheen of like social consciousness that doesn't extend past like just talking about things. It doesn't extend to like real action or doing anything. It's just, you know, subscribing to their Twitter feed and, and following their, their, their videos who, and when I, again, when I asked this about commentary, I asked it sort of rhetorically because it's no shit who the fuck, you know, you can tell who, who funds commentary. It's right wing interests, heritage Institute, fucking uh, Coke brothers, that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's clear. It's, it's, it's clear as a nose on your face, but, um, cheddar i'm really concerned about who the fuck it is that's that's financing this shit and maybe it's something maybe it's maybe it's something innocuous maybe it's maybe there's nothing evil or sinister behind it maybe it's just some collection of of uh you know of funders who actually you know really think that this is cool or think that this is the way to engage millennials and that's authentically what they're really trying to do fucking maybe maybe I doubt it. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> oh man. Follow Cheddar, uh, guys. Follow Cheddar. F- follow Cheddar. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna lose like we- 25 friends on Facebook from Fusion. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That would mean that 25 people are listening to this. <laughs> um, yeah, I. I was, you know, obviously with the whole Gibson cakewalk thing, you know, I've had a lot of hate this week. Um, So I didn't even really give it much thought. Uh, But something I thought of right before we started the show that was really bugging me um, was uh, uh, the way libertarians defend the idea of getting uh, rid of net neutrality. Um, Just everything they say just bugs the shit out of me. It comes let's from, give it, wait, let's give a little bit of context for people. If you're not listening from the state of Nevada right now, understand that the loudest party in the state of Nevada is the libertarian. So like 49 states in this country, you can just kind of laugh at libertarians for like being weirdos who uh, have like strange facial hair and dress like they're in like a <laughs> steampunk version of the old West. But and they just kind of like laugh at them and what morons they are. But in Nevada, you really like you're forced to listen to them because they're constantly like squealing at the top of their lungs about their fucking personal fucking freedoms being infringed upon. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Oh man, I, I just huh, I I didn't like uh, I didn't like research. Like I said, I came up with this right before we started, and I, I didn't like you know like research it or make a list of examples of what they. I didn't say, do any but, work requisite yeah. to making a good point. Yeah, but I, I don't think I really need to. I think you could kind of picture where they're going with 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 the personal freedoms thing, how that doesn't really apply in this case. And it's like, I, I feel like everything they try to say um, is is not really a point at all. What are the, what are the arguments that they're making? I don't understand. Even. Oh, it, I mean, it basically comes down to, I, I think their number one has to do with uh, competition in the marketplace between ISPs, um, which, I mean, nobody can possibly think that's something that's going to happen, right? I mean, who thinks that? So who their point that? is their point is that like, um, if you have this sort of deregulated, unfettered uh, uh, ecosystem 
that the best ISPs will emerge from it and they will provide the best service because by virtue yeah, and of they're the gonna fact be that new the, by virtue of the fact that they'll be the best one. Yeah. Because yeah, it be would be ones. super easy for you and I, entrepreneurs that we are, to just right. start an ISP tomorrow. Right. I'm sure to we just wouldn't start one tomorrow. We yeah. wouldn't run into this is goes back to the same shit with um with this you know you know what else this is like? Fucking health insurance. Like the, the same thing, yeah. The oh, the marketplace of ideas and the 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 best entrepreneurs and the best innovators are going to come out from um you know from the, the slag heap and be the ones that win the day and they're gonna they're gonna innovate their way to new and better you know market based solutions and it's like okay go start a health insurance company tomorrow okay yeah. go start an ISP <laughs> and see how far you get into drafting your goes. fucking articles of incorporation and filing for your uh, LLC before somebody from fucking with, with a with a with a Time Warner shirt or a fucking uh, or an AT&T polo taps you on the fucking shoulder and it's like hey asshole you're not allowed to do that how would it even work i mean it it just doesn't make sense and the, the other the other big one that they like to use is that before net neutrality laws were put in place that there was no problem back then. We weren't blocked from certain sites, and certain sites weren't slower than other sites. Well, the internet is a very fucking different thing now than it was before then. Like you, you can't even. It's like using like fucking sticks and rocks as a comparison against uh, you know post net neutrality internet. It, it's such. It just drives me crazy. That's all. I'm gonna let people in on a, a little secret about me. And you might remember this. <clears throat> Maybe you don't. Um, I, I I wrote some articles, obviously, like in college and shit, just like anybody for the college paper. But I was not a journalism um, major. I, I was in, I went to business school, and uh, and to the extent that I went to school, I went to business school. And um, uh, my first real um, paying gig was for and this was understand I was a complete like n- political novice this was like 2003 ish 2000 maybe 2004 2003 it was like right after college and um my first job where I was paid to write was I don't know if you remember this or not Liberty Watch magazine which was a <laughs> a hardcore um uh, libertarian <laughs> magazine. I did not understand what it meant. Unlike a lot of other people who were taken with the libertarian ethos in those, you know, early tw- in the early in their early twenties, I was oblivious to it. My issue, if you remember, was about um, censorship of hip hop. It's <laughs> <was> like <laughs> the articles that I wrote were about like, hey, yo, fuck that. Yo, fuck that shit. Why are they canceling Snoop Dogg's show? Why? Because he's black. Like, and I mean, like that was literally like as far as my thinking went. But um, no, but that was a thing though. Uh, that we'll get into in another episode. But sure. One of, one of the things was that you know hip hop in the early to mid two thousands in Vegas was under assault. There was a I don't even remember the guy's name, but there was I think Jim Young right was the sheriff who hated hip hop and worked really hard to cancel get shows canceled and he was all about um driving up the cost and and here's that here's that intersection right of of where my interests and liberty watch magazine's interests were aligned driving up the cost of the of 
the regulatory burden for for venues that would show hip hop um, that would you know that that would have hip hop shows and the levels of insurance that they would need to get. I would come at it from oh that censorship that's trying to get rid of this specific art form that I happen to have a huge uh, you know affinity for me and my friends love and Liberty Watch Magazine's perspective is like yeah no regulation and we lined up in that way. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So yeah. that was my that small way. Yeah. yeah. That was my <laughs> my my first. The first time I was paid for my writing was from Liberty Watch magazine. That's that you can thank them for breaking me into journalism. Wow. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so what's, we what's your that, what's your love? While we were saying that, I was taking advantage of like the unregulated net that we have, and commenting on one of your stupid facebook posts saying suck my dick yeah <laughs> unless this app gives me ideas of what to do with my own house i don't want it facebook suck my dick yeah hey don't be <laughs> mad at me what uh no, i love you what um what do you what do you love i don't even think do I, a, you do a love first i don't think i have one i don't think i wrote one down yeah me neither. let me let me, let me <laughs> Damn, this is a fucking dire week, dude. I know. Well, it's been tough for me with the whole fucking cakewalk thing. Yeah, this software thing has really... You know, Dave, I think Tyler Durden said it best (laughs) when he said the things you own end up forcefully making your hardware obsolete. (laughs) Oh, I'll tell you what I love. Have you seen the... um, Damn, I'm going heavy on the bad journalism front today. Have you seen the um, the Project Veritas Washington Post uh, back and forth that, that just happened today? I don't think so, no. Okay, so you know what Project Veritas is, right? Or have you? Have, maybe you don't. Um, Project I've Ver- heard the term, but I don't really know for sure. Project Veritas is um, run by James O'Keefe. Who goes undercover? He does like all the undercover like stings to show the, uh, you know, to show liberals in like a, a specific light, like a bad light, and and to try to you know move the conversation and and in into um, sh- shedding light on hypocrisy of of liberals and shit like that. Um, so they've had a few that were that were pretty um, successful on the right. They were kind of bullshit like all their little like fake news stings and stuff like that well they just like got their asses handed to them because what they tried to do was uh pretend they sent in a woman to try to pretend to the washington post that she was a um uh she she had been sexually assaulted by roy moore who's running of course for uh for senate in alabama and um the 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 washington post reporters they assumed that they would just being shitty journalists like the Project Veritas people are. They were like, oh, watch. They're going to write a blog post about this and and just post it. But no, these aren't shitty journalists. These people work at a fucking real newspaper at the Washington Post. So they made phone calls and did background checks and, and, and fact checked and verified things and realized that it was bullshit. Not only did they realize it was bullshit, but they realized that it was a piece of bullshit specifically perpetrated by Project Veritas. So they went to Project Veritas's office to confront them. And I guess like after hiding or cowering in, in, in his office for a while, James O'Keefe came, comes out and he's got his cameras running as if he's stinging them, but they're there to talk to, to him. And they're like, and it's just such limp dick, dumb fucking like, 
It's a Rorschach test. Whatever You're going to see whatever you want out of it. If you're a fucking moron that wants to believe in Project Veritas, you're going to see that James O'Keefe, you know, somehow fucking owned the Washington Post. If you're not, if you're literally anybody else, then you're going to be like, wow, this guy looks like a moron. So <laughs> I, I thought it was hilarious. I highly recommend watching the video. Um, definitely worth it. What about you? Have you? Is that enough time? Did I, did I, did I fucking uh, run out the clock enough for you to... Um, Come up with something that you actually love. I don't love anything. Um, so yeah, I uh, I want to thank. By the way, that voice that you heard earlier in our podcast that was um, a very very good friend and coworker, uh, Patty Jimenez. Patty, thank you for playing the part of Patricia Johnson, our our chief counsel. Um, don't forget to subscribe to us in the iTunes Store, Google Play, SoundCloud. Dave, what do you have to plug? Bird Road, like fucking rate it, review it, do please somebody do something do for once that. in your fucking life. Do that. Uh, but I do actually have something to plug. Um, I am releasing a new single this week. Uh, it's already up on CD Baby. It'll be on iTunes and all that sometime this week. I wish I knew the exact date, but I don't. Unfortunately, the holidays screwed up the release. But it'll be up in the next couple of days. Uh, but it's called Secrets, and there's a music video. <laughs> Why, dude? Why would you call it that? Why not? I mean, like, I think that Secrets sounds like a place where you get jerked off. (laughs) That's why. Well, maybe. Actually, no. I can see it because, like, that makes me want to listen to it, actually. So, you know what? I fucking eat my my words. I eat my words. Good, 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 good. But no, th- this is actually. Uh, You've got there's a the there's a music video for it. Softest uh, hands of any man I've ever met. <laughs> I do have very soft hands, but uh, there's a music video for it made by a uh, photographer named That's not Kate a Woodman. That is not a secret that she made this video, and uh, it's a really beautiful uh, video. And we actually worked together on the uh, the mix of the song. Uh, like I, I started it as a track that would have been for my next album. Uh, but then when we started discussing collaborating on something, uh, this track just seemed like it would fit perfectly to uh, the thing that she had started working on, and so I kind of messed with it. So right now, when this perfect. right now when this podcast is coming out Tuesday afternoon, where can people actually like go listen to this or download it? Go to my Facebook page, uh, Facebook.com/slash By David Rosen, or search for Music by David Rosen. Uh, also on my Twitter and everything, uh, you'll be able to see the video that she put up just tonight. Uh, and then you'll also hopefully be able to see the link to uh, buy it or stream it online on iTunes and all that shit, too. Damn, you're hustling, man. I didn't even know you were working on this. I know. This is the first of what will be a lot of releases throughout 2018. I'm, I'm kind of changing up my strategy instead of... Uh, waiting a long time you know until i have a good 16 18 20 songs and making an album i'm uh gonna start releasing singles and like five six song eps uh i'm planning on doing at least like three or four releases throughout 2018 so do you you ever just gonna try mixing it up do you ever get sad thinking about um the fact that uh like nobody will ever hold your music in their hand again like that's never gonna be a thing like I think about that all the time. There's Let, still like kind of a chance that I could write for you know a print publication because there's still like a couple out there. You know, like my words might be 
in print again and somebody might hold it you know in their hand and and, and touch it like maybe maybe but there's virtually zero you know what i'm i'm being full of shit there's probably no chance that that'll ever happen and i think about it a lot and I, and I, I think you must think about the that. fucking time all the time and you know i did press up cds of my last three albums just 50 copies because i knew they wouldn't sell anything but i just had to have a copy and 50 is the minimum you know <laughs> and uh isn't that weird and I, so I, I, I sold strange. some residual you know? talisman of an era gone by like i mean yeah. why why it's are so we... it's so sad and so I think it's sad. only with people our age. I think people like maybe if you're like thir- like a little bit younger than us, if you're like 32, you probably don't care at all. You well, don't that, even think in, about it. Back in January of this year, um, I did a. But a if you're like 36 a- or something like <laughs> it, this is it's like a travesty that you're never going to have. a. Thing I know to it's hold. terrible. But back in January of this year, I did a, uh, a demonstration at a, uh, a high school. Um, showing off my my virtual reality music video. I know it's weird, but uh, no, they, it was like a computer science animation class type of thing. And so uh, the teacher wanted me to show off my virtual reality music video. So I showed it off, and everybody loved it. You know, I thought it was awesome, and I talked about composing and all that stuff. And uh, and then at the end, I thought it would be cool. I'd give them all out a copy of my CD, right? What mm-hmm. <laughs> are these little fucks actually said? I don't even think I have anything to play this with. <laughs> I was like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> the only thing that I have to play a CD with is my Honda CRV. Like my car is the only thing that I have that would be able to play a CD right now. I would have to go out to my car and listen to it. I know. It, it's it's so fucking sad. I, I miss it. I miss I don't really things. miss CDs. I miss I, I miss the yeah I miss the artwork. I miss, I miss the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. You remember there was there was somebody that you and I were friends with. I won't say her name on the podcast, but um, her like whole house. Tell me if you know who I'm talking about. When her whole house was filled with like Las Vegas weeklies and city lifes and shit like that. <laughs> when you yeah. walk into her house, it was like, and I I. I miss that. I mean, it was a little like bag lady ish, but I still do miss it. Like I miss that there were people who had all these like physical things that you could comb through and you could look at. I don't know, man. Well, I mean, everything's if on my you're, if you're nostalgic for things, you should come down to my family's record store, Wax Tracks Records. Yeah. Yeah, you that should. That's a good plug. I'm sure your dad will be really fucking proud of you for the first time ever. What is this? A radio show? Is this radio? I don't understand. Why is it on my phone? Do I need a bookmark or an app to listen to it? <laughs> Where's my sights? <laughs> none, of, none of this. None of this works right. <laughs> you sound like a pansy. <laughs> Q sounds like a fucking asshole. You laugh at everything he says. You laugh at everything he says. This is a little beta bitch.